Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The List. It is a rare Friday edition. It may be that I am feeling good for the weekend. It may be the energy drink I just drank. But today, Brett is hooked on a feeling, and he's high on believing. On the other end of the tin cannon string, as always, is Jordan. How are you doing today, Jordan? Uh, I definitely feel a little bit better than I felt on Tuesday, um, but I think there's still a long way to go. Um, I'm, I'm a little nervous for this weekend. Um, not because I think uh, we're going to be in danger, um, but more so I'm, I'm interested to see the energy the team comes out with. So, um, But excited to be here, excited that it's Friday, um, and excited to talk some football. Absolutely. But before we get into that, I think the most important question, Jordan, is have you done your Spotify rap yet? Uh, I did do my Spotify rap. Um, I did that a, a while ago. I got to think. I think I went very, very old school this year and early 2000s. If you can tell the mood I've been in throughout the year, um, I think Blink-182 was my top artist this year. My top was Bowling for Soup. Ah, this is why we work. This This is is, why we work. This is definitely why we work. And of course, as always, Zach Jackson is is recording, producing for us, probably already about two or three Captain Morgans deep. But, you know, before we get into picks and everything, uh, before we get into the news that happened in the last 24 hours, Jordan, I believe you got to roast me a little bit because we determined that I jinxed the fence. It is a little bullshit. Um, for those that don't know, on our Twitter, at the list fins Pod, um, our buddy Brett uh, tweeted from the official list account. So it's there for everybody to see. Looks like it could possibly be me. I'm here to set the record straight. It was not. Uh, I Brett- did do it. Brett tweeted that we could chalk this one up as a sloppy win. Um, yeah. Brett, I don't know if you have the actual exact tweet handy, um, but you, uh, and you know better than most. Like, you should have known better than to do this. Um, Brett with the classic jinx. Yeah. Um, Brett, you <laughs> fucked it up for all of us. What do you have to say for yourself? I got to be better, especially after I said I had an issue with our attitude there i did you know that if somebody else would have done that you probably would have put them on the list yeah but here's the exact tweet and like i said well i'm already on the list so i said you couldn't put me on the list twice that's why i gave you those few moments to roast me but the I exact think you tweet deserve it, though. i do I deserve you it kind of deserve to be on twice it's ridiculous well, you're the reason we lost people said i had a meltdown on tuesday and it's because of you it's your fault well it's not first of all i thought fault. It's not Elijah Campbell's fault. It's not Liam Eikenberg's fault. It's Brett's fault. Well, for those who don't know, and this was at 11.17 p.m., so there's about three minutes left in the game, we are, prob- are going to walk away with a win. Probably McDaniel's worst play calling day, at least in the red zone. And the team was clearly shook by Connor and Cheetah getting hurt. That being said, plays were there to be made, and we just didn't make them while the Titans had a lot of 50-50 balls go their way. This game doesn't say anything about the team other than we are a 10-win team that had a that had a hard-fought win. On to the next. Hashtag fins up. So if I would have just left out the win part, I wasn't wrong. Just about, I just got the win part wrong. You just said we won the game. Um, yeah. The, the funny part is, and I want to I wanna give the people a little bit of the back end of why this is especially funny for me is that we're now talking about this on our second show of the week. We, um, (laughs) I didn't see this until after we had recorded Tuesday. I didn't even know 
uh, that you had done this. Yeah, um, I, at least I admit it. And I did self-tag to cold, uh, Freezing Cold Takes 2, so I manned up to it. And you know what I didn't do? I didn't delete it. I didn't delete the evidence. I manned up to it. So there's, there's got to be some respect for that. Uh, no, I've lost all respect for you. All right, fair enough. But I got to be better. And that is one of the reasons why I have stayed away from the Twitter for the last couple of days. Now, after getting that roasting of me done, before we get into our picks, before we get into talking Dolphins football some more, last 24 hours, we saw the Chargers get destroyed by the Raiders. Raiders almost, almost broke our record that we set earlier this year against Denver with points scored, and it resulted in Brendan Staley getting fired. I don't think anybody's shocked by this, Jordan. I think the question is what took so long. Um, I think they were trying to hold off um, to see if he could turn it around. Um, But I think they knew they were going to let him go, especially with Herbert Dunn. Um, And looking at who they named as their interim coach, they took a linebacker coach. Um, I I think that they're going the tank route um, and seeing how high of a pick they can get and seeing um, who they can add to this team. Yeah. And of course, the uh, early, well, first of all, they did offer Kellen Moore the uh, interim job, but he uh, took the same approach uh, Elijah Vero took last year with Denver, where he declined it, thinking that it would hurt his chances at a head coaching job. I don't understand that because now Elijah Vero isn't a head coach right now. And he's probably losing his job again. The only thing that can come from it is what's happening with Antonio Pierce right now, where he might actually get the head coaching job in, in Vegas yeah. out of this. Yeah. So I, I don't really agree um, with passing on it because now there's no chance Kellen Moore is back with the Chargers next year. Um, so he better hope that not only uh, can he get a head coaching job, but possibly even that he can get an offensive coordinator job after he had Justin Herbert and wasn't successful. Yeah. Of course, the uh, GM, Tom Telesco, was fired, too. I see a lot of people shocked by that, saying he loaded up the roster. Uh, Jordan, I don't know how you feel, but uh, I've made my feelings quite clear in the Chargers roster. I think it's very overrated, and that's not a knock on Herbert, who I think you can win with, but he's not the improv type of quarterback. You have to tell him to do something. He's not going to be naturally aggressive like other quarterbacks in the league. But they have names. They have big names who have had some big seasons in the past. But I think it's, I think like most West Coast teams, it's usually out of sight, out of mind. So you hear the names, you think they're good. Like Keenan Allen's still great. But, and Joey Bosa, when he's healthy, is good, but he's hurt. And Khalil Mack is great, still great. But you look at the rest of the roster, and it's just a lot of old, injured players that used to be good. Maybe one or two good rookies here and there. Derwin James is not a rookie, but he's usually battling injuries. Asante Samuels Jr. has kind of been in and out of the lineup, it feels like. Mike Williams is in and out of the lineup. He's out for the year. Gerald Everett had a history of injuries. Eckler's had a way down year. So I just think the talent was overrated. And as much as we rag on uh, Herbert, I I do kind of agree that people just thought this Chargers team was a lot closer than they were. Yeah, I think this Chargers team wasn't close. But I think part of that, they, they do have a winning roster. Um, they do have a team that should be able to win, uh, but they, at this point, they're not, um, I don't know if that's specific to Brandon Staley. Um, I guess we're going to find out going into next year, if they can go into next year 
uh, turn this thing around, um, then I, I could definitely see that happening. If they bring in a Ben Johnson, a Frank Smith, um, a guy that's going to, to really set the thing, really what they need is an adult in the room. Yes. Um, and I think um, that if they can get an adult in the room, they could turn things around, especially with uh, Kansas City looking like they're taking at least one step backwards. You're talking about a Dalton in the room. I don't know if you saw this, but the early Vegas favorite to be the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers is one Bill Belichick. Number That's two um, is our I, offense. I, I hope that would Frank happen. Smith. I don't think it would be a good thing for either uh, of them. And then Frank Smith was number two. Uh, that makes sense. Um, I think Ben Johnson's going to wait to see uh, if he could get a job with a little more stability. Um, but. So I, I could see Frank Smith. Uh, he came here from the Chargers, I believe, right? He came did. He was, from the barely, he was the offensive line coach. He was very highly thought of there. He was very highly thought of as the tight end coach in Vegas. Um, I remember when we hired Frank Smith, I checked out some Charger websites, some blogs, some uh, vlo- some vloggers, and they all basically were crushed to lose Frank Smith. So he was, in their opinion, their best, their best assistant. Um, yeah, I, that's a job that I think it would be good for him. Um, I think as a Dolphin fan, we almost don't want to see that because uh, he's a great coach. But it looks like we're going to lose him at some point mm-hmm. um, in this offseason. So it's just about the best fit for him um, and the best fit for um, wherever he's going. I do hope as a former Dolphin coach that although I hope the Chargers don't get in the way of us, um, I do hope he has success in um, Los Angeles with the Chargers if he does get that job. Um, I think it would be a great hire uh, for the Chargers. Um, I think he's an adult. I think he has a great background. Um, and I think he's thought of with a lot of respect. Um, and I think he's going to be a very good game manager. Yeah. I don't think people realize how popular Frank Smith's name is in coaching circles. I mean, they flat out asked about asked him to his face in a press conference a couple weeks ago how it felt to be linked with the Carolina Panthers job and I didn't even really really know he was linked to it that much but I would not be shocked to see Frank Smith get a head coaching job next year and hopefully we're able to keep Daryl Bevel as the uh, offensive coordinator next year then yeah I think either way it's a guarantee that we're going to be looking uh, or naming a new offensive coordinator going into next season because it looks like Frank Smith's going to get one of these jobs Uh, The only other thing interesting I have to say about the job is the guy that the Chargers hired as the interim apparently was Roman Reigns' position coach in Georgia Tech. Uh, Is he going to walk in the first day and scream, acknowledge me? I'd be pretty funny if he did. It would be. It would be, but I don't know if it is. And now it's on to probably going to be one of our most interesting college pick segments of the year. It is, of course, bowl season starting tomorrow. Um, I went through and picked... Four games for us, and then set a fifth for the wild card, of course, because we do have more bowls next week. Uh, Jordan, I did say the wild card game just had to be before 1221. And the first game we're going to talk about is probably the one we know. Well, I don't know about you, but I at least know the least about in terms of players. And that is the Independence Bowl between the Florida A&M Rattlers and the Howard Bison. Now, what is the Independence Bowl, Jordan? It is the de facto national championship for HSBC schools, which is historically black colleges or HBSC. Um, how do they do it? And it is the SWAC champ versus Can you the- get that right? It's HBCU. 
I don't know why I put HSBC in there. I just took it right off the website and they please, said that. Please apologize. Get that I right. do apologize. It's the it HBCU. Is, they yeah. have great schools. They it's do. great football. They put out pros every year. We love the HBCU. Big fan. We do. I just took that right off the website and I have no idea why it says that. But it is the SWAC champ versus the MEAC champ. And this game has been going on since 2015. Florida A&M is 11 and 1. They are the SWAC champions. Howard is 6 and 5. They are the MEAC champ. The first appearance for both schools. Uh, fun note: Deion Sanders coached in these game in this game the last two years, and MEAC schools lead this series six to one, winning the last five. About this, about the teams, Howard lost to Eastern Michigan, which is an FBS school, week one by ten points. And Northwestern, a Big Ten school, week five by three. This will be the third-ranked team they have played. They lost to number 19, Harvard, 48-7, but they beat North Carolina Central 50-20. to Florida A&M is currently ranked 10th. The only week Florida A&M was not ranked was week one, uh, where they did win against Jackson State at Hard Rock Stadium. Their one loss this year is from Southern Florida, which is an FBS school in week two. They right. I don't think anybody gives a shit about this team. That's fair. Just giving a little bit of background. Um, all their wins were by, except all their wins but one were by double digit. Uh, despite the MEAC usually dominate, usually winning, they've won all but one of these games. I do think Florida A&M is going to break that streak and win. They were by far the more dominant team. Howard relied on a late season surge to get to this game. So we're going to go with Florida A&M winning, or I am. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Florida and I'm winning this game. I'm not going to give as much of a, a breakdown as you did. Um, I'm going to just go with Florida and M wins the game. Um, it'll be close to that seven-point spread. Bowl games, I think, um, are always good and close games. Um, so I, I think it might be right around that seven, but I think Florida and M wins the game. Okay. Now on to the New Mexico Bowl where Fresno State will play New Mexico State. Uh, New Mexico State kind of came onto the radar late uh, because of their win against Auburn on the road. Jerry Kill, former Mich- uh, Minnesota, excuse me, coach, won 10 games to them, and they lost to Liberty in the Conference USA Championship. And the Aggies have 21 rushing touchdowns on the year. They are led by their quarterback, Diego Pavea, who has 26 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. Only one, and they've only scored had one game this year where they scored less than twenty, which they happen to win against Middle Tennessee State. Jeff Tedford uh, was technically and still is technically the head coach for Fresno State. He did take some time away as of December second because of health issues. He did previously have to resign for this job before Kalen DeBoer took it um, a couple years ago, who's now the Washington coach because of health issues. And Tedford may be a familiar name for many fans because he was known for putting quarterbacks into the NFL. Most successful one being Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Jordan, you probably know this. Uh, Tedford has a reputation of getting his quarterbacks to the NFL, but those NFL quarterbacks end up, end up sucking. So, yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah, no, it does sound about right. Uh, the issue here, of course, is that the Bulldogs, Fresno State, finished their season on a three-game losing streak and they are not scoring in any of those games. They have scored less than 20 each game. While uh, the Aggies of New Mexico State did lose in the Conference USA championship game, I think they're just feeling a lot better, 
especially after that Auburn win. Jerry Kill is a guy who is known as a program builder. He's done it at Southern Illinois. He's done it at Northern Illinois, and he did it at Minnesota. So I'm not surprised to see him ha- having this team win. I do think New Mexico State wins this game. Um, so this game is going to be contingent for me on one thing, um, and that's whether Mikey Keene plays for Fresno State. If Mikey Keene plays, um, then Fresno State has the better quarterback and Fresno State wins the game. Um, if Mikey Keene doesn't play, then Fresno State has absolutely no shot and New, Me- New Mexico State rolls because Jerry Kill is a great coach um, and will have his boys ready to play. On to the L.A. Bowl, where UCLA plays Boise State. And I just realized now you have a New Mexico Bowl with New Mexico State in, and you have the L.A. Bowl with the University of California, Los Angeles in. So, sounds about right. <laughs> does sound about right. Uh, both of these teams have quarterbacks that have already entered, tra- entered the transfer portal. Uh, Dante Moore, tr- big hyped freshman, entered the transfer portal. Although I do think Ethan Garbers had benched him by the end of the year. Um, and then Taylor Green for Boise had just entered the transfer portal as well. Uh, so it's going to be Ethan Garbers versus Maddox Madsen as the, starting, as the quarterbacks. Boise goes through their running back, Ashton Genty. May have mispronounced that, so I do apologize. He did rush for... 1,262 yards and 14 touchdowns. He also had 39 catches for five touchdowns. These um, these teams have similar records, but I think they one team feels better than the other. UCLA was all ready to fire Chip Kelly at the end of the year. I don't know if it was because he beat USC, because then the next week they lost to Cal. I think it was more because they missed out on Jonathan Smith. They were too they were too uh, too slow to fight, to make a move to try and get him. Of course, he went to Michigan State. Uh, Boise did fire Andy Avalos, but went 3-0 and under Spencer Danielson in the interim. Even winning the Mountain West, so they have made him the permanent head coach. Just because, I, like I said, one team feels better than the other team. I'm going with Boise State just because I think the team is just in a better place right now. Yeah, I think we feel the same way about this. Um, you, you mentioned Ethan Garber. Um, I thought he was pretty overrated. I thought that the UCLA... Uh, offense struggled with him. Um, I think Boise State is going to be a lot more fired up to play UCLA uh, than UCLA will be to play Boise State. Um, I think that uh, Boise State wins this game by four. Give me one second. I think I'm just looking. Did I only pick three ga- uh, f- three games in a wild card for us? Uh, Texas Tech Cal looks like it's there. There is. Yep. Uh, I've completely, I do see that. I was looking, I was looking for that and I couldn't find it, but yep. The independence bowl of Texas tech Cal again, two teams that are very similar. Both are six and six. Both played three quarterbacks throughout the year before settling on someone. Texas tech settled on Baron Morton who had 12 touchdowns and seven interceptions. while Cal settled on, on Fernando Mendoza, who had 13 touchdowns and seven interceptions. Cal relies on their running game. Jay Knott had 1,260 yards, 11 touchdowns. They also have a, a backup named Isaiah Ifancy, which who had 70 carries for only 376 yards, but seven touchdowns. Um, and then Texas Tech also relies on their run game as Taj Brooks had 1,443 yards and nine touchdowns. So these are two teams that historically I think of as being 
air raid teams, big passing numbers, a lot of people catching a lot of touchdowns. That isn't the case for either of these two teams. They both have, if I did the stats right, they both have 21 rush t- uh, t- passing touchdowns, excuse me, for the season. Um, I am going with Cal, though. They did have a four-game losing streak earlier in the year, but those four games were all against teams that were ranked at the time. And then they finished with a three-game win streak where Texas Tech, their last game was a 57-7 shellacking to, to the Longhorns. So I just think, again, Cal just feels better, so I think they're going to win this game. Uh, I'm actually going to pick Texas Tech here. Uh, I think the fact that Taj Brooks is coming back to Texas Tech next year um, is, and they're going to be motivated to play uh, is a big reason why they're going to win this game. Um, I, I think they're going to be ready to play. Um, and I, I just think they're going to win the game. I, I think that Cal um, lost most of the games that they should have lost and won most of the games they should have won. Um, and Texas Tech is the better team here, so they'll win. Um, the three-and-a-half spread is always one to watch. Um, Cal did finish winning three in a row to uh, – and the season, but Texas Tech takes it here behind a huge day from Taj Brooks. Okay. Now on to our wild card pick. Like I said, just at the pick a game before the twenty first. I took one that honestly, just because of the Michigan connection, is former Michigan head coach, worst Michigan head coach I've ever seen, and Rich Rodriguez, and that is the Jacksonville State Gamecocks in their first year of FBS football, qualifying for a bowl game against the Louisiana Raging Cajuns in the New Orleans Bowl. Now, if anybody knows anything about Rich Rodriguez, he's one of the first people to do the uh, spread option based around the run, not passing. And the stats reflect that. Zion Webb and Logan Smothers are the two quarterbacks combined. They have 302 passing attempts, 11 passing touchdowns, and nine interceptions. The team has 32 rushing touchdowns between five players. Uh, when it comes to passing, Sean Brown, their tight end, has five touchdowns on 18 catches. And then Perry Carter is a wide receiver I've never heard of. He has 34 catches and 603 yards, but not a lot of touchdowns. I don't even think he did have a touchdown when I looked. Uh, the Raging Cajuns, which I've always loved that nickname, has Zeon Chris as their start as their starter, at least at the st- beginning of the year. He had 11, six, uh, 11 touchdowns, six interceptions. Uh, but Chandler Fields has taken over. He has seven touchdowns and three interceptions, but Chris adds uh, six uh, rushing ability. He has six rushing touchdowns on the year. They have, as a team, 23 rushing touchdowns, 24 pass TDs, so they are very balanced. For this game, Rage and Cajuns aren't the same team that uh, Napier was the coach of where they were winning. I think they won double-digit games. Jacksonville State was one of the teams that wasn't going to be eligible for a postseason because of being their first year unless enough teams didn't qualify. So that is why they do have a bowl game. Uh, they did finish, like I said, eight and four in their first year in FBS. And I am picking for their first bowl game, the Jacksonville State Gamecocks to win over Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Uh, I'm going to go uh, to the Myrtle Beach Bowl between Georgia Southern and Ohio. Um, from the outside looking in, uh, Ohio looks like they're the better team. They went nine and three. Um, Georgia Southern went six and six. Um, when you do a deep dive of this game, though, you see that most of Ohio's star power on offense, including quarterback Curtis Rourke, uh, has transferred out already. Uh, Georgia Southern is a team that prides itself on defense and running the football. Um, I think they're going to win this game by a couple scores. Uh, Ohio was 
minus three and a half when this line first came out. I'm sorry, minus two and a half when this line first came out, and it is flipped, and Georgia Southern is now minus two and a half. I think Georgia Southern covers that minus two and a half um, and wins a Myrtle Beach Bowl against Ohio. You know, picking the bowl games, the one thing I was shocked about is I was actually surprised there were this many Power 5 teams playing early, but I kind of wanted to try and pick uh, teams we didn't talk about as much, and then as we go through them, I'm like, oh, there's a reason we haven't talked about these teams very much. Exactly. Before we go to our NFL picks, a little fun I thought we'd have, because I was expecting more Group of Five and FCS school talk. Uh, So Jordan and I are both big fans of the draft, so I told Jordan to come up with five draft prospects that are not Power Five players that he thinks would be good fits for the Dolphins. I did this too. Jordan, I don't know about you, but I ended up being a little harder than I thought it would be. Uh, I am still trying to do it over here, and I am having a very hard time doing it. Um, This is a very, very Power Five heavy uh, draft. Um, So I have a couple, um, but it's definitely harder than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I do have five, so we can just go what we have. Uh, Jordan, who is your number one guy? Uh, My number one guy and a guy that I think uh, could be a real option for the Dolphins at the back end of the first round um, is, and I'm going to really fuck up his last name um, as it just went away from my screen, um, the offensive tackle from BYU, Kingsley Suamatea. Um, he's very agile. He looks like he's going to fit our um, blocking scheme. Um, and always love somebody whose name kind of sort of sounds like it could be a distant cousin of Tua. Um, he's 6'6", 325. Uh, he can play multiple spots. I think uh, he'd be a great spot at left tackle for the Dolphins um, and, and a guy that could take over for Teron Armstead um, if we do have to move on from him. I was looking at him, but then I looked further and I realized, didn't BYU enter the Pac-12 this year? Ah, fuck. No, next year. They are next year? Okay. Uh, oh, I no, BYU were- actually entered the Big 12 this year. See, that's um, how hard right. it was, but I actually did agree with that, and I had him on the list until I looked, and I was like, wait, they are in the Big 12. But I will give you that, yeah, because up until this year. He's one of the guys that I look at um, as kind of a favorite to, if he's around in that spot, be there, um, be the Dolphins pick. Yeah. And I will give you that also because he technically played his whole career until this year in the group of five or independent technically. So we'll count it. Um, one position you and I have said all year that we are missing is a tight end. And I actually did see this guy play two games this year. And I picked the Colorado State tight end, Dallin Holker, who is 6'5", 235. And ironically, before this year, he was a teammate of the offensive tackle from BYU. He was at BYU for three years, but he was a primarily a blocker. But at 6'5", 235, he had 64 catches, 767 yards, and six touchdowns. He's not an early pick. He's not even one of my top three or four tight ends for us. But we get into day three. I would not have a problem taking a flyer on this guy. Um, he's not Trey McBride, who was a Colorado State tight end a couple years ago. But he does have measurables, and he's expected to test well. So. Again, someone worth taking a look at. Um, so the next guy I'm going to go to, um, and I had to go way down there um, and find another more difficult name um, in a school that I know is not a Power 5 school. 
um, from Yale, offensive tackle, Kieran Amagaji. Um, he's listed as a left guard. Um, he can also play right tackle. Um, I think if we are looking for a guy um, a little bit down, who's probably going to be very intelligent, I assume, going to Yale. Um, foot quickness is what I keep seeing. Uh, very coordinated is what I keep seeing. Um, can land blocks at the second level. Smart, intelligent, good work ethic. Uh, I think those are going to be a guy that Mike McDaniel and Chris Greer are going to target, um, especially day two, day three. So Kieran Amegaji. I actually had him on my list too, and I did the exact same thing you did, looking for a late-round flyer athletic uh, offensive lineman. And the other thing to think about is not only is our assistant quarterback coach, Chandler Henley, a Yale graduate, but our head coach, Mike McDaniel, is as well. So I would not be shocked to see us take a late-round flyer on Amagaji. Uh, but the name right. I'm going to... Go ahead. The, the I name thought I'm you were giving Amagaji too. I no, I did have him, but I'm going to go to since you used him. I'm going to go to someone else. Okay. Uh, position we talked about it felt like all day on Tuesday is center, and the top group of five center is Tulane's sincere Hainsworth. And I did check no relation to Albert Hainsworth, so I was actually very curious about that. Um, very impressed with the Tulane offense. Uh, Willie Fritz was the great coach, just took the Houston job. So, uh, Jordan, you and your uh, Golden Knights will be seeing a lot more of him in the uh, next couple years. He's 6'1", 3'10". He is known for getting to the second level, and he is a very good run blocker. He actually could be a day two pick if he has a good combine. Uh, it's kind of, I hate to say, it's gonna, this is going to make people roll their eyes. Um, it's kind of like an Eichenberg pick where the upside's limited, but he's projected as a low-end starter, um, which, you know, who else they said that about was Jason Kelsey, and Jason Kelsey's a Hall of Famer. But uh, Sincere Hainsworth is center. So who's your next person? Uh, my next person was Sincere Hainsworth. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think that they have a very mature line at Tulane. Um, I think he played well, and I think he would fit in um, with this offense. It, I think he could start right away, even if you draft him in the mid-round. Um, and I think he can also be a guy. Um, we really need depth at center. So uh, even if we do bring Connor Williams back, I think he's a guy. Um, it's important for to always have a guy in waiting and a guy that can learn. Um, and most of all, a guy that's dedicated to being a center. Um, so I have uh, Sincere Hainsworth. I also, the next guy, um, is going to be a little bit of a loophole uh, to your rules. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to go a running back from Notre Dame who's not in a conference. That's fair. That is fair. So they're not a power five. They're not in a power five conference. Um, I'm going to go running back Audric Estime. Um, I think that people are going to be a little surprised that I'm putting a running back on here. Um, but I think that with uh, most are long-term health issues. I don't see Jeff Wilson coming back. Um, and I think that Chris Brooks, uh, while I love him and I think he could be a great running back for us, a great depth piece, um, I think he still needs a little bit of time. Um, so uh, Audrey Gostime and another guy, if we didn't already have HN, um, I'd love to say Frank Gore Jr. Um, I do think he fits what we do. Um, I don't necessarily think he fits our current backfield. Um, so I'm going to go Audric Estime as more of a power back uh, that the Dolphins are lacking. Yeah. Now, 
I went with an edge from Troy named Richard Kabooner or Kabonor. The what, the what now? An an edge from Troy. Named Richard Kabooner. Richard Kabooner. It sounded like you said something a little. Uh, yeah, I know where you were going with that. But uh, he's actually he actually was an Auburn commit originally. He transferred to Troy. He had 16 tackles for last loss this year and nine sacks. He's expected to test really well. I saw he is quote unquote clocked at running a four four seven forty. He's six three two thirty three. Little undersized right now is an edge, so that probably pushes him into day three, maybe late day two. Um, but we do play a three four with Phillips having his Achilles, and we don't know when he'll be available. With AVG being a free agent, us likely releasing Ogba at the end of the year. We don't know what we have from Cam Good and JPP and Melvin Ingram being signed to our practice squad now. Both options, but older and on one-year deals. We do need to start getting youth in there. So I took an athletic edge from from Troy, who does have a history of putting edges into the NFL. Uh, this is my last name, right? This is number yes. five. Um, I'm going to go uh, way off the beaten path. Um, I'm going to go with a linebacker from Holy Cross, Jacob Dobbs. Um, he had 122 tackles this year, uh, five sacks, two forced fumbles. Uh, he is listed at 6'1", 230. Everything I see about him screams two things. Amazing in coverage, can cover linebacker, or can cover tight ends, can cover running backs, and a hell of a tackler. I'm going to Holy Cross. He's obviously a good student. He's smart. Um, I think that we need intelligent football players. Um, and I think Jacob Dobbs is a late round pick. Uh, would be an awesome depth piece for the Miami Dolphins. Yep. And I'm also going off the beaten path and taking a safety. Uh, Jordan Tolls from Morgan State. He's a bigger safety. He's 6'1", 205. Well, I guess that's normal sized. He is known as a good tackler. And apparently he plays a lot in the slot. Brandon Jones is going to be a free agent. Unfortunately, he, uh, Jones hasn't had the season you or I predicted him to have Deshaun Elliott's a free agent at the end of the year as well uh I don't think we have any but any safeties really under contract going into next year aside from Javon Holland who will then be a free agent himself so we got to talk about extending him so looking at a safety in day three is probably on the to-do list and Tolls seems to have some physical tools that are worth looking at to develop but yeah that was a very hard exercise, but it was – I had fun doing it, and I do find I do find it humorous that you and I have uh, think the same way for a couple of the prospects. Yeah, I think it might also be that we use the same resources. We did. More than likely. I don't I, – more than likely. <laughs> <laughs> and now on to the NFL picks before the Dolphins. Um, First game. Hell, just that. Did that you get shocked? Are you okay? That was a that was a sneeze slash cough at the same time. I didn't oh have time to mute God. myself. That did kind of hurt, though. Are you but, okay? Uh, yeah. No, I'm good. I am good. But uh, on to the Steelers versus the Colts. Jordan, this feels like two teams going in different directions. The Steelers became the first team, of course, at least according to Twitter, which is ever reliable. To, with a winning record to lose back-to-back games to two losing teams. Um, they have only outgained their opponents one time on offense. The offense is really bad. We don't even have to say that. Trubisky's starting now with Kenny Pickett hurt. 
And now to make things worse for the Steelers, Deontay Johnson and George Pickens are becoming distractions, which unfortunately for wide receivers with the Steelers seems to be an annual occurrence for them. As for the Colts, they have Minshew mania going on. Gardner Minshew, arguably the best backup in the NFL, has got the Colts in playoff contention. We always talk about the Miko Ryans right now is a coach of the year candidate, but Shane Steichen might actually have him beat. I've talked about his work with Justin Herbert, his rookie year and last year with Jalen Hurts, last two years technically with Jalen Hurts. You see what he's doing now that he's a head coach. Like I said earlier, two teams going in different directions. I think the Colts win this easily. Uh, yeah, I think the Colts win this game. Um, I think the Colts are fighting for a playoff spot. And, and I think these are definitely two teams that are definitely going in the opposite direction because Gardner Minshew um, has the ability to bring this Colts team uh, to a place that a lot of people probably thought wasn't possible, even with Anthony Richardson uh, this season, with all the drama they had early in the year. And this is a big game for the wild card. Um, I think the winner of this game, obviously, with Denver – uh, playing Detroit um, with Cincinnati, hopefully losing to Minnesota for those teams. Um, a couple losses can put one of those teams uh, right there in a position where they can uh, make the playoffs. So uh, I think it's a big game. I think Gardner Minshew, uh, if he makes the playoffs with this Colts team, I could see him spending the next 10 years, 15 years. Uh, how old Gardner Minshew? Before I say uh, how long, let me let me look up how old he is first. Um, yeah, but I can see him being a backup quarterback uh, till he's about forty. <laughs> he, I think he's the same because he's, he's he was the same years to a twenty-seven. Yeah, so he was the same years too. I think well, I could see Garner Minshew being another a, a backup uh, in the NFL after what he's doing right now, after what he did in Jacksonville. Uh, he had a couple games in Philly. Um, I could see him playing the next ten to twelve years um, as a backup quarterback around the league. He is what people were acting like Josh Dobbs was. For sure. Oh, for yeah. sure. Which, uh, speaking of Dobbs, don't know if you saw, but he's actually been relegated to third string. Yeah, I kind of saw that coming. The, the, I, the book is out on Josh Dobbs. He's back to being Josh Dobbs. Yeah, that's why when everybody was talking about how great he was, I was like, are we talking about the same quarterback? He's never, been, he's never even been a good backup, let alone a good third string. Right. Or good starter. Um, next game again. Again, still want kind of want to go with the playoff contenders. I got went with the Chiefs Patriots game. Um, this game might be a little more interesting than people think, just because the Chiefs offense still doesn't look that good. They still look out of sync, and uh, I think Jawan Taylor is now officially a liability because now everybody is calling him off for starting false start every play, and eventually it's going to start catching up with them. The Patriots defense still is good. Um, I don't really trust Billy Zappi. Bailey Zappi, excuse me. I'm going to go with the Chiefs just because they have the better quarterback. They have the better play playmaker. Even though Isaiah Pacheco's out, they still have Travis Kelsey. And even if he's not 100%, he's better than anything the Patriots have. But I would not be shocked if this game is a lot closer than people expect. Uh, I actually think this game is going to be a lot further away than people think. Uh, I think the Patriots are ready for an offseason, and I think the Chiefs need to get right game. Um, I, I think that this is a game the Chiefs are going to win by three to four scores. Um, I think this is a game Patrick Mahomes is going to right the ship. Uh, the, the Chiefs are going to come out angry, and they're not going to stop. I could see this getting very, very ugly. Um, 
And yeah, I think the Patriots, I don't think they beat Kansas City. I don't think they beat Denver. I don't think they beat Buffalo. I don't think they beat the Jets. I think they finished the season three and 14. And I think it looks very, very ugly doing so. Yeah, I do think their offense is going to look ugly, but I keep expecting Kansas City to pull it together. And they just have, outside of the Bears game, I don't really think they have, have they? No, not really. Um, but I do think that the Patriots, um, if it gets to week 18 and they say it's Belichick's last game, if that home, uh, I could see them beating the Jets at home. I could too. Now on to the second most interesting game for Dolphins fans after our own game. Dallas Cowboys versus the Buffalo Bills. You can make a case that Dallas may be playing the best football of anybody in the NFL right now. Um, I think it's between them and the Niners. But Dallas has looked good. Dak Prescott may be the MVP frontrunner right now. Don't know if you agree with that or not, but last I saw, I think he was the favorite per Vegas. And uh, CeeDee Lamb has developed into a true number one receiver. He's He's playing a lot better than I ever thought he would. Uh, or anything he's really shown. I always kind of thought he was on a Jalen Waddle level, but I think he's gone up a level since that. The Bills offense has looked a bit better since firing uh, Ken Dorsey, but it still feels like they are too reliant on Josh Allen making insane plays and going God mode. Um, and honestly, last couple games I've watched, actually, it feels like they do great during the scripted plays. The first 20 or so plays of the game, but once it becomes called on the field, they can move, but they really struggle to get on the end zone. We've actually seen a couple games where Josh Allen has been way off on getting the ball to Gabe Davis, and they were very similar routes to the uh, to a Cedric Wilson play from the Kansas City game. But for the, for the uh, Bills, James Cook does look like he is taking that step to be a reliable running back, which they do need. I think this game is going to play out like Buffalo games have for the last couple weeks. I think Buffalo is going to start strong. It's going to look good early. They're going to start faltering the second half. The biggest difference is they're playing an offense that is firing on all cylinders. So I do think Dallas beats the Bills. Yeah, I think Dallas beats the Bills by two scores. I don't think they let it get to a point where uh, Josh Allen can make a play late. Um, I think they put it to him. Um, I think that if Buffalo doesn't execute every one of their scripted plays, um, the Cowboys are a team that's not afraid to make it ugly. Um, So Buffalo better be careful. Um, They're going to send a lot of pressure, Josh Allen. Um, And I think we're going to sit here on uh, Monday or Tuesday of next week going, um, what are we going to do about that Dallas front seven? So um, Dallas has a three-game stretch. They just got out of Philly. They play Buffalo. They play us. They play Detroit. Um, that's a big three-game stretch for the Cowboys, um, and I think they get a, a pretty good-sized win here. Yep. Final game before we talk about the Dolphins, the Ravens versus the Jaguars. I actually wouldn't be shocked, Jordan, if the Jaguars start uh, going on a losing streak. They did not look good. Um, everybody knew Trevor Lawrence was had the ankle injury. He didn't look himself. The game last week against Cleveland, was clo- uh, the score was closer than the game actually was. They gave a lot of big plays up, especially to David Njoku. The Ravens did have a scare. Uh, They only won in overtime after a punt return touchdown. They looked like they were sleepwalking through the game, similar to most teams last week with winning records. uh, Fortunately for them, unfortunately for a lot of us, they went through and uh, were able to pull out the win late. 
and Zay Flowers is quickly becoming one of the best young wide receivers in the NFL, and Charger fans are kicking themselves that they took Quentin Johnston over him. Oh, for I'm sure. Pick- yeah. Although I think Johnson will be good. I just Zay Flowers is just on a different level. Um, I'm picking the Ravens. I just can't. Just watching the Jaguars, even with their record, I've not really come away from a lot of Jaguars games thinking they're as good as their record shows. Um, and that includes the London game. That includes the New Orleans game. It just feels like they're lucking out a lot. And that's going to catch up to you. Uh, to me, Baltimore has the feel, as as much as I want the Dolphins to be that team, uh, Baltimore has the feel to me of a play, of a Super Bowl team. Uh, they're physical. They're, they've been really good defensively all year. Um, and I, I think that um, they're on a mission right now. And I think they stomp on Jacksonville a little bit. Um, you mentioned Jacksonville going on a losing streak, and I had that written down in my notes. Um, they play Baltimore. At Tampa's a little bit of a trap game for them. Yeah. Um, but if you look at their schedule, Baltimore at Tampa, Carolina at Tennessee, um, I think those Carolina and Tennessee games they win. I think they get in the playoffs. Um, but I think they could be one of those teams that you see as a division winner that ends up losing to whoever that wild card team is that they play. They kind of remind me of the Steelers from a couple years ago. Uh, I think it was Big Ben's last year when the Steelers started. So, like, I think they were like 13-3, and three, but you just looked at them and you're like, they're not a good team, and then they end up getting beaten the first round of the playoffs, I believe. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So that's that's how the Jaguars feel to me. Um, I do agree the Ravens look like the best team in the AFC right now. Um, as good as they flowers, there's like, like the one thing I keep bringing up with the Ravens, they're making the plays. Their defense is great and it is scary, but it, the offense just feels like it goes dead too many times during during games. And I think come playoff time, that'll catch up to them a little bit. Yeah, I do too. But uh, on to the main event, the Dolphins versus the Jets. We're not going to talk about the Titans anymore, so we're moving on. But Zach Wilson coming off arguably his best game of the year. Good for him. Like I don't think he's a good quarterback, but after all the BS he's gone through, uh, especially this year where the Jets were blaming him for all their issues. You know, I hate the Jets, but I'll give kudos to Zach Wilson for having a feel-good moment. Um, unfortunately, since last time, what was that? I just laughed. Yeah. Okay. Zach Wilson's feel-good moment. Yeah, well, you know, he's allowed to have one. Uh, unfortunately, it probably knocked CJ Stroud out this weekend, um, which is another story entirely. Uh, since our last episode, Connor Williams' ACL tear was confirmed. Which sucks. Uh, we signed two centers, Jonathan Harrison to the main roster. Hadn't heard of him until we signed him. And then Matt Skura, who you and I talked to, talked about, and would have been cool if we talked to, but we didn't talk to him, to our practice squad. Um, as you mentioned the other day, we had him a couple years ago. He had the yips, wasn't snapping well, kind of sucked. So he's on the uh, practice squad. Uh, we talked a lot on Tuesday, Jordan, about how Ike struggled as a center. He's questionable, and it I hate to say it, but it kind of looks like he's on the path to be out Sunday, which means our starter will either be someone we signed off the street or Lester Cotton. It's already um, been confirmed. I think I'd rather just not start Ike there and see what the new guy's got. You mean Cotton or start No, Ike I, I don't want to start Ike. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Uh, we do know that Robert Hunt's out and Deshaun Elliott's out. We are expected to have Armstead back and Javon Holland back. 
Sounds like Tyreek Hill is quite a late last second decision. So we'll see with that because of his ankle. Injuries are concerning right now, and it does make me pause with what the score will be. But going back to what I hate to say, talk about the Titans game, but I just have to go back real quick. You literally just said you're not talking about the Titans game. Let me. I knew you were going to do that. There's method to my madness. Yes. It's just a one second thing where I don't think the injuries are the, the injuries were a reason, but it's not the main reason we've talked, as we talked about, it was more the mindset. So the injuries are not something that makes me think we will lose to the Jets. I actually think we will have a good game plan for the Jets because I think we were looking ahead to this game. Um, I th- yeah. I was going to say, I do think the offensive line is going to be one that we never thought we'd see with maybe Kendall Lamb playing left guard. But I think it'll be better, do better this week because I think we're going to actually commit to the run. Well, I mean, the last time we played the Jets, we committed to the run. We ran the ball a lot, and we ran the ball well, um, especially down the stretch towards the end of that game. Um, I think you saw the Jets' defense get tired. The Dolphins ran the ball 37 times for 167 yards, two touchdowns. Um, I think you'll see a lot of the same. I think we'll run the ball between 35 and 40 times. Um, I think Mostert will have a lot. I don't know if A-Chan's going to play. Um, he did log a limited practice today. Um, so maybe we'll see. Um, but either way, I, I think we're going to run the ball early. I think we're going to run the ball often. Um, and we're going to feed the ball to Waddle, um, which is what we do when Tyreek's not there. If Tyreek doesn't play. Yeah. I also think, and it's something that's been discussed a lot on the discords. And we mentioned earlier this week, it felt like we were chasing records too much with the play calling. Not as much Tyreek in the 2000, 2000 because, uh, mainly because he was hurt. But I think that they were trying uh, – one of the reasons the red zone uh, play calling was so bad is I think we were chasing to his touchdown streak. Now that that's not a thing anymore, I think we're just going to focus on doing what's best in the red zone. So I, I, I expect Tua to have a bounce-back game too. But I think, like you said, we are going to get to feed Mostert a lot. Um, he's – Already set the record, I believe, for most touchdowns by someone by a player who's 30, 30 years old or older. So I expect him to have a multi-touchdown game. The Jets' defense is scary. Eh, I don't know if I'd say scary. It, it's going to be tough. Um, and again, we weren't. I don't think we were healthy. No, we had everybody for uh, the first Jets game, right? Is that when Robert Hunt got hurt? Yeah, we did. And then um, Phillips got hurt right at the end of the game. And then Austin Jackson got thrown yeah. out when um, Holland hurt his head his knee technically <laughs> yeah. oh right his knee sorry um I think we're gonna win by two touchdowns I have the score 28 14 um and just for fun I am predicting our line to be by the second quarter Armstead Lamb Harrison Ike Jackson Oh boy, um, <laughs> I think if that's the case, it's it's going to be interesting to see what we do and how we fare against that Jets defense, um, who played really well last week against the Texans. Um, but I do think the Dolphins win. 
Um, AI predicted 24-21. I don't see a way the Jets score 21 points. Um, I think the game is somewhere closer uh, to 24-13. Yeah. I do think our defense is going to play a lot better because they've been taken through the ringer, and they know it. They've No one has, including Vic Fangio, no, no one's backed away from the criticism. They've all owned up that they took the foot off the gas, uh, and I don't think that's a good sign for Zach Wilson. Yeah, I don't think that happens again. I do think the game will be stress at least for a half will be stressful for us just because that's Dolphins football, baby. That is Dolphins football, my friend. But uh, now on to the to the list introductions. Uh, Jordan, I know as much as you want to add me onto it for a second time. I don't know if you have anybody else you want to add, but I did want to take the time. Because I do have someone myself as well, and it is one of the announcers for our game. It has come to my attention that we do have Tony Romo announcing our game, and I am putting him on just for his him simping for Josh Allen every play. He may he makes Buffalo games. It seems like he has Buffalo games all the time. It makes it to the point where you cannot even listen to the game. You cannot watch it. I put it. I, I look for the Spanish button if I don't want to meet, like, because I need to hear something during the game. I might just, I look for the Spanish button. But as I said, there was a play where Josh Allen is getting sacked and he just throws the ball up and doesn't even get to anybody. And he's like, that's how you win football games. And he is actively, uh-huh. he is actively rooting for the Dolphins to lose out so that the Bills can win the division and host the game. He basically admitted at the end of the, of the game last week. So for that reason, Tony Romo's on the list. Fuck Tony Romo. God, he's so annoying. He's got to be a Bills fan. What connection does he have for Buffalo? Do we know what team he was a fan of growing up? What team? I hope somebody could tell me what team was Tony Romo a fan of when he was a kid. I'm not sure. He's from San Diego, so. Yeah, but being Tony Romo. Then he went to Wisconsin. Well, he was in Wisconsin for a while. Yeah, he might be Buffalo. Did you have anybody you wanted to add? Aside no, from me, you now you got me fired up because I wanted to add you, um, but now I want to add Tony Romo. I kind of want to add VBS, but I'm not going to. He's just on list watch. Um, I don't oh, know if you've it. seen some of the things that VBS has been tweeting, um, and somebody has a screenshot of him questioning the Tua. Um, so he's really on list watch. Um, Mike Greenberg can go on the list because fuck the Jets, um, but we'll stick with Tony Romo for today. Um, and like I said earlier in the week, uh, if we win on Sunday – uh, on our next episode, I will be putting Mike Greenberg on the list. What you're saying is what I what we should do is if we win on Sunday, should just uh, give you the floor after the intros and just let you roast Mike Greenberg for a little bit. Honestly, either way, because if we win, it's going to be Mike Greenberg. If we lose, I'm sure VBS will say something stupid uh, that'll lead to um, us going after him. Either way, sounds like a fun Monday or Tuesday for us whenever we decide to record. Yep. But I think that it is time for us to end this Friday episode. Jordan, I know you've got stuff to do this weekend. I've got drinks to drink this weekend. What do we have to look forward to on listpodcast.com? Uh, there's a new article up uh, where AI picks the game like we usually have. Um, and the mock draft was updated. Um, Mr. S from his, um, he is currently on a spiritual mission trip. Um, but don't ask anybody. What? Just don't ask. <laughs> um, he no, but he's he's looking for um, betterment in his life, and he's going. Um, he's been playing with pandas, 
um, and searching for uh, inner peace, uh, which is great. But he did take the time uh, to send us his latest mock draft, which is wonderful. Um, he's been sending me some inspirational messages uh, even during this episode, um, which I appreciate. Um, but check out his mock draft. Um, check out uh, what AI thinks on listpodcast.com. Um, and go back and check out my uh, head coaches that make sense article um, because I did have Brandon Staley getting fired with a couple weeks left in the season. Um, and two of the names I had them looking at uh, were both Frank Smith uh, and Ben Johnson, which looks like uh, they make a lot of sense for the Chargers. Um, as always, we're six followers away uh, from 300 on Twitter at the list fins pod. Uh, so follow us from your account and all your burner accounts um, and keep supporting the show. Yep. 300's the goal. If we can get to 500 by the end of the year, that'd be even better. But we are going to end it on that high note. For Jordan and Zach, my name is Brett. We are the list and we are watching. Zach, hit that music. <laughs>